Good morning. Man, this is a long building now. <laughs> let's uh, let's pray. Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, God. We thank you for, um, God, this, this group of people here coming together to worship you, Father. God, we ask that you speak to us this morning. God, just, just through your word, and, and we know that your word doesn't return void, Lord, and, and we pray that, God, we hear from you this morning. God, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, we have been going through the last, last well, last week, it's kind of, we've been looking at the last week of Jesus, and what were things that were super important to him, and they should also probably be important to us, right? So, what I want to look at today is not really a teaching of Jesus, it's kind of the setting like, Jesus goes into Jerusalem on his last week, and it is Passover, right? So we're going to look at Passover, and, and there's some things you need to know that Israelites would have found important about Israel that we don't often look at, okay? So this is going to open some things up, and it just blew my mind this week as I studied. Um, first of all, there is seven... Very important feasts that um, that Israel um, does, and their 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 celebrations, their their festivals, and um, every one of them, if you study them, point directly to Jesus. God set these up for a reason, and it's 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 to show us. It's a roadmap to show us to the Messiah, right? Okay. So, God chooses Abraham. Abraham has Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons, which are the 12 tribes of Israel. And his 11th son, his name is Joseph. Joseph was the son of Jacob. His brothers sold him into slavery. He's a, he's a slave, and, and, uh, and then he's thrown into prison for all of 13 years. Okay, then... God blesses Joseph. He brings him up in, in, in the country of Egypt, and he becomes head, second in charge over Egypt, and he is able to bring Israel out of famine. Okay, he's able to save his country, which is his family, right? So that's why the Israelites were enslaved. Okay, we were, they were enslaved in Egypt. Um, and then God brings Moses. See, God set this up very specifically. So God brings Moses, and and he brings, uh, through Moses, he brings these nine plagues, and then there's one left, right? Okay, and then Exodus 12. If you'll go to Exodus 12, 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month is to be the beginning of months for you. It is the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, they must each select an animal of the flock according to their fathers, according to their father's families, one animal per family. If the household is too small for a whole animal, 
that person and, and the neighbor nearest his house are to select one based on the combined number of people. You should apportion the animal according to the according to what each will eat. You must have an unblemished animal, a year old male. You may take it from either the sheep or the goats. You are to keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter the animals at twilight. Okay, so this is strange, right? So God gives them all these, all these things to do, but this is the last plague that's going to happen. And, and we know it as the angel of death comes and he takes all the firstborn takes all the firstborn in Egypt. And if you don't abide by these rules, it's not going to go well for you. Right? So first, one of the first things, God changed the new year for, for Israel. Okay, this is the first thing he says. This will be the first month of your year. Things are changing. So they select the lamb, and they, they find an unblemished lamb, and, and the, it can't be their brother-in-laws, it can't be their cousins, it's got to be from their family. Very important. So they, they get this lamb, and it is unblemished. It, it has to be perfect, which probably was a struggle to find one, right? And, and I'm sure people were up to the last second looking for unblemished lambs. And then, and then they keep it. So if you find an unblemished lamb, you're going to keep it, you're going to take care of it, your family's gonna, it's gonna walk around in your house. Your kids are probably gonna name it, and then, after four days of it living with you, and then in later Passovers, Israelites would 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 find this unblemished lamb and and, and raise it in their house, because it would be, it would be special. You'd want to keep a close eye on this unblemished lamb, because there probably wasn't very many of them. So, verse 7, they must take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses where they eat them. So the lintel's a crossbeam. You've got blood all the way across. They're to eat the meat that night. They should eat it, roast it over a fire, along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Okay, so you have lamb, you have unleavened bread, and you have bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or cooked in boiling water, but only roasted over fire, its head as well as its legs and inner organs. You must not leave any of it until morning. Any part of it left until morning, you must burn. There is, here is how you must eat it. You must be dressed for travel. Your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, you are to eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. Okay, so you have all these rules. Um, God gave them these rules, and, and if you want to know something interesting, there was probably about, what well says 600,000 men in Israel. So people... Scholars think that there was around 2.4 million Israelites in Egypt. Can you imagine getting these rolls to 2.4 million people? It's hard enough to get get an announcement out to this amount of people. <laughs> so, 
the first day of the festival was this Passover. And this is what it's commemorating, this, this time when God rescued Egypt from Israel. And then it's supposed to go along with seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay, and Feast of Unleavened Bread, Exodus 23, 15, observe the festival of unleavened bread as I commanded you. You are to eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib. Because you came out of Egypt in that month, no one is to appear before me empty-handed. So the 14th is Passover. The 15th through the 21st is the Feast of, the, of Unleavened Bread. <coughs> so unleavened bread is, is another interesting thing. So they were to leave the yeast out of the bread so they could cook this stuff in a hurry. And you could keep it. You could have it to eat on the run. It's like having crackers in your pocket, right? So... This is, this is also pointing at, at something very specific that Jesus goes to later, and, and we'll get there. The last thing is, you got to eat it with your backpack on. You got to eat it with your bags packed, with your boots on, getting ready to go. Because when Egypt decides to let them go, they don't just let them go. They drive them out. The Bible says that they drive out the Israelites. So God wanted so the God ones who were, who were all in. I'm sure there was a, a, a giant group of Israelites that were like, we're not doing that. We're going to stay here in Egypt because we know we can be fed. We know we have something to do every day. It's comfortable. This is where my bed is. And God was trying to do something bigger. And it was probably uncomfortable. Have you ever felt uncomfortable? I promise you, if you serve the Lord, you're going to feel uncomfortable. He does that. He does that on a regular basis. If we give him control, though, he will give us direction. He will give us direction. And that's hard, that's hard as a human to be like, I am giving up control. It's the last thing that you want to do, right? Last thing you want to do is give up control, but God gives you direction if you do that. And, and it, he makes a habit out of doing these things. Everybody that has given their life to Jesus has a story about how God has done the impossible. Okay, God will lead you out of slavery. And just like he did the Israelites, he slammed the door shut behind them. There wasn't no going back. There wasn't no going back. Egypt was, Pharaoh had enough of them. In fact, he tried to chase after them and kill them afterwards. The door was shut. There wasn't no going back to slavery. I know me and, me and a, a group of our, my friends have a uh, addiction class called the Vine. And if, if you know somebody in here that is struggling with addiction, that's struggling with, with alcohol or, or drugs, we want to we lead you down that path where God can slam the door shut behind you. And that's, that's, that's a hard thing to do because as humans, we want to we keep moving towards something, but we want to hang on to what was comfortable. 
We want to hang on to Egypt just a little bit. Even though God is trying to slam the door shut behind us and, and we won't let it happen. So saying yes to God equals uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable to do something different. It is uncomfortable to to do something you're not used to doing. I had another group of my friends that, that got to go to Ecuador. And uh, God did, did some amazing things while we were there. We got to go into people's houses, and and God just set all this. He orchestrated it perfect where I, I actually got to go into somebody's, to two people's house that had a family member or somebody that was struggling with alcohol or struggling with drugs and addiction. Nobody else had any experience with that but me. God sent me to that house. And, and everybody here has, everybody that went to Ecuador has a story just like that. You guys were here praying for us 24-7, like literally 24-7. Somebody's praying for us every hour. And, and God showed up. God showed up. Yeah. Praise the Lord. And we, and we got to do a lot of other stuff, too, besides just evangelism. We got to work on a, a Christian school, and, and um, there, was, there was some really neat things that, that God had put together um, before we got there. And that's what we were praying for this whole time. It was like, God, go before us. Prepare a way. We're going into a dangerous foreign third world country. We're going to need your guidance. <laughs> and he did. He did. Absolutely. Anyways, back to Passover. So, three things needed for a Jewish Passover meal. Unleavened bread. To be ready to leave in a hurry, no time to wait. For the, for the leaven to rise. You couldn't bake bread all night, so you need unleavened bread. You need bitter herbs. And you need the sacrificial lamb. So, what, what are bitter herbs? What are these things? So the bitter herbs are a herb, what we, what we would call maybe horseradish, something that's just not good to eat, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't eat horseradish by itself. So why did, why did they do this? But this was, a, uh, this was to remind them of the bitterness of slavery. So every time they eat this, they would think of the bitterness of slavery. And then the lamb. Perfect lamb of your flock, and this is a sign of obedience from God, or to God, rather. So a Passover feast, would, it would look like this. It would be a blessing, and the next slide should be this blessing. Okay, so they would sing this in Hebrew. I was going to do it, but I couldn't learn it in time. Uh, may you be blessed, O Lord, our God, King of the world, who creates the fruit of the vine. So they would, so they they would, would sing they this would blessing, sing then they would recite, they would recite it, it, and then they would and drink, then a, they cup would drink a cup of wine. They would share a cup of wine, the, the household. Okay? Then they would have a dish of bitter herbs, which is, you wouldn't want to, if you were at the buffet, you wouldn't want to load up on bitter herbs, right? Probably not, not the best tasting stuff. Okay, so then they, they do the Passover liturgy was recited, which we, we just talked about earlier. And then, and then, a second cup, second of, wine. cup of wine, yes. 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 Okay? okay? And then a and part, then a of, part the of the 
Hallel, which is uh, Psalm 113 through 118 was sung. And then another blessing. Then they'd say the blessing again. Okay, then they would eat the lamb. Which now they would just, they would have leg of lamb or some lamb chops. It wouldn't be, you wouldn't have to eat the whole lamb nowadays. And then you would sing the rest of the psalm. And then there's, there's some argument over whether there's a fourth cup of wine or not. I guess it depends on how schnockered everybody is. But, so now, now you're filled in on, on what, what a, uh, Passover feast looks like. And I know this may seem boring, and it doesn't uh, matter to us, but it does. Okay, then we're going to go to Luke chapter 22. This is, this is the Last Supper. This is the last time Jesus is going to eat a meal with his disciples. Then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked him. Listen, he said to them. When you enter the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters. Tell the owner of the house. The teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make the preparations there. So they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. So Jesus prearranges this, either spiritually or physically. He, he has the location in order, and he also says, you'll see a man carrying a water jug. Well, at this time in the world, a man carrying a water jug wasn't, wasn't a common thing. So they would have been like, that's different. Let's follow that guy carrying the water jug. But that's pretty specific. So God, or Jesus, has all these things prearranged. So then they go and prepare this room for the last time they're going to eat with, with Jesus. Verse 14, when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And have you seen the uh, Da Vinci painting where everybody's sitting at a, at a table and chairs? That's not what it looked like. <laughs> they didn't have chairs. It was, a, it was a real short table, and everybody laid down at the table. That's how they, that's how they ate. Then he said to them, I fervently desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup. After giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. See, he's referring to that blessing that we just spoke of. Verse 19, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So, 
going back to Moses, right after Moses led the Israelites out of slavery, God made a covenant with Moses. We know that as the Mosaic covenant. That's when he comes down with the Ten Commandments and all, and all this. Jesus is making a new covenant here. This is huge. This is, um, this is the last covenant God's making with, with his people, and he's changing, he's changing things a little bit. Notice what they eat here. It's unleavened bread. And they, they drink wine. But there's no lamb. There's no lamb in this meal. There's no bitter herbs. Jesus takes the place of that lamb. Okay? That's why we don't eat lamb anymore. And also, he makes it where you can do this anytime. As, as you read on in Scripture, Paul does it at the first of every week or whenever they meet. But we know this is communion now. So we don't do it on Sunday mornings. And we do that because we, we know that there's unbelievers in this room. And, and that's okay. We're, we're super glad you're here. And we, want to, uh, we still want to love on you and treat you like one of our own. But we're not going to make everybody, we're not going to alienate everybody for not, for not taking part in this. But when we have life groups, when we have Bible studies, when we do things like that, we, we share in communion. We do this. And this is the new Passover for us, right? So there's no lamb. There's no bitter herbs. There's no more bitterness of slavery. Like, we are free. Jesus has freed us from that. And that's, that's symbolic. That's what all this is pointing to. Jesus takes the burden of our sins and, and death, the bitterness of slavery, and we don't need this. We don't need the, all the stuff anymore. We have something much more important. It's the cross. First Corinthians five six says, Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as indeed you are for Christ. Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore let us observe the feast, not with old leaven, or with the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of the sincerity and truth. So the unleavened bread, it, it means obedience to God. So the Israelites were, were commanded to leave the leaven out of their bread. So, so Jesus comes and starts talking about all the Pharisees and says, watch out that you don't partake in this leaven. And he's calling it what it is, it's sin. And when we let sin into our lives, it gets so thick, just like yeast, that we can't even begin to start getting it out, right? So the best, what he's telling us, the best way to deal with that is to never let it in in the first place. But Jesus can get it out. Romans 8, 
Therefore, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. Worship team, you guys can come on up. So now, if we have Christ, we're not even condemned. And that's a hard thing to, to think about in, our, in, in the world that we live in. When you do something wrong, you're reminded of it constantly. Jesus says no. That's not how I'm going to do things. If we are obedient, we confess our sins and we repent. Jesus, he's faithful. We serve a faithful God who's rich in mercy. But he condemns sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. So every time we see Jesus, or every time we think of Jesus, rather, we think of the, the death he died on the cross and the blood that spilled. And all this points back to Passover. See, Jesus was freeing us from slavery, but it's a different kind of slavery, right? It's, a, it's our own slavery. It's the slavery that we put on ourselves. Jesus frees us from it spiritually forever. And we don't have to live in it anymore. I'm not saying that we don't choose to sometimes. We can still be halfway out with our hand back in Egypt trying to go back to what's comfortable, what's normal, what, what the world wants us to go to. And Jesus is trying to pull us the other direction. But a lot of times we don't listen. And I'm guilty of this too, friends. And, but God is, is faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for who you are, God. We thank you for um, your word, Lord, that it just... It, it's never-ending, Lord. It gets deeper and deeper the more I study it, Lord. And, but at the same time, it gets more simple. You are the sacrificial lamb in this Passover feast. And we're not held to the standard of the law because you fulfilled it, Lord. God, we pray that you would move in this way. Move in this place, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done already, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have some baskets come down the aisles. And for some of us, part of the way that we worship is by our tithe and offering. And uh, also throw your connection cards in there.
And we're going to have a prayer team up here. If you need prayer this morning, come see us.